I asked the person who was speaking if I could introduce them. I've known Nikki probably the majority of my life. Um, we grew up together in the church. Uh, we went to camps together. We've done a lot of things in the youth group together. Um, we've basically done life pretty much together our, the rest of our adult life. Um, one of the things I appreciate about Nikki so much is her heart. Her heart of compassion, the way she sees things. Um, she's been on camp staff probably as long as I have as our camp nurse. Um, and the things that she does at camp um, can never outweigh um, the blessings that, uh, that are bestowed upon everyone who comes in contact with her. One of the things that I love about Nikki is the way she handles situations. So if she, you ever hear her say, oh my heavens, that's her way of handling a crisis situation. And then when kids start to get a little uh, mean with each other, it's don't water the weeds. Don't water the weeds. I love Nikki. I love her heart. I love her compassion. I love everything that she stands for. Um, I love her family. Um, you're awesome, Nikki. Absolutely awesome. Thank you. Thank you. The older kids want to stay in. That's totally fine since you're used to seeing my face. If you want to go back, I'm Emily Snyder, so I'm with the older kids. Today. So thank you, Chris. Holy smokes. <laughs> that was really nice. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad we could give Dan the day off because, my goodness, he does a lot every single day, not just on Sunday. I think sometimes people just think, wow, what a hard job. You're there every Sunday. But he, um, I see him everywhere doing things for all kinds of people. He's continually putting people before himself. And so I so appreciate him. So I thought um, since we're heading into the Christmas season and I've seen a lot of Christmas decorations and Christmas lights up, I thought we would talk about joy and choosing joy. Who in here has Christmas decorations or lights up at this moment? Anybody? Oh, I see one. <laughs> Which is great, and I appreciate that, Melanie. I think that, you know, when we were all in the midst of the chaos of 2020, and people were looking for any glimmer of happiness or cheer, they started putting up their Christmas trees super early. I don't know if you remember that, but it was, I mean, at first I thought, oh, that's so funny, but I thought, that's really great, actually, because I enjoy, I love looking at Christmas lights. I know my poor husband is colorblind, so they all kind of look the same to him, but I just really enjoy, um, you know, going on a drive and looking at them. I love... I just love so many things about them, and they do, you know, they do spark happiness and joy, I feel like, but um, when we start to hear the word joy or see the word joy more, you know, as we're heading into Christmas, I just want all of us to take a moment and just think of, you know, Jesus, others, and you as you're seeing joy. Just think of the J-O-Y in respects of that, and hopefully we can start to prioritize if we're not already doing that. I know some of us try really hard we try to prioritize and put the lord first and um, it doesn't always work out that way but i think if we're choosing that um it'll make it'll make obviously the christmas season uh, more impactful but in general it'll make our lives and those lives of people around us um more impactful for the kingdom so psalm 19 8 tells us that god's rules or god's orders are right they give joy to the heart, and they give light to the eyes. So 
in your mind, can you kind of think of somebody that you see them and you just know, oh, you know, no matter what they've been through, they have, they have joy, they have light in their eyes. Sometimes people enter the room and you just, you know, it just, you feel lighter, you feel better because it's somebody that is, you know, smiling and positive and pleasant. And um, I can think of several people like that and I'm so grateful, but... Dan's been talking to us a lot about, um, he's been in the book of Acts, and he's been talking about becoming missionaries, really, going out and spreading the gospel, spreading the good news. And I think when we're, you know, using this verse and having joy in our heart, having light in our eyes, it's such a great witness. On the flip side, can you think of somebody that, um, whenever you see them, you kind of think, oh boy, they're kind of negative, and... They kind of complain a lot, and they're kind of irritable. And obviously we all have our days, and we all have reasons that we have, you know, um, bad times. But in general, sometimes there are people that just need um, a little or a lot more Jesus. <laughs> and, and those people, you know, if you're thinking as far as impacting the kingdom, it's not a real great witness when we're walking around grumpy. Which, you know, sometimes we kind of get in that, get in our, in our feels that way and start to just act how we feel, act, react to things that um, aren't great in the world. So I'm super grateful that I have, I've had a lot of good examples in my life of people that do the J-O-Y, the Jesus, others, and you. Um, I think of Dan, he's just so positive, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, my mom is one that, She's continually, like, I feel like when I come in to her house or if I see her somewhere, she, she just lights up. Her eyes light up, and it's not just for me because I'm her daughter, but anybody, kids at church or um, her grandkids or great-grandkids, and she's continually thinking of, what can I do for somebody else? Like, she's, she's the one that has me all the time. Like, she's always thinking of her Sunday school kids what she can do for her class. She's a teacher at Pleasant Hill Church. And I'm continually, my poor family can attest, I'm all the time like, oh, I can do that for junior church. I have all these weird object lessons in my house. I have all these things labeled, like our peroxide, what does it say? Grace, I think, because I've used that for grace. <laughs> but, you know, somebody that's constantly thinking of others is just such a good example for the rest of us. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, my mother-in-law who's here, I just love her. She's the same way. I mean, she just puts others before herself. And it's such a blessing to be able to see that and to have that example. And I realize, you know, not everybody has examples like that around them, certainly. Um, and so it's good to always look in the Bible and take a look at some people. But um, I wanted to talk about a feelings chart or an emotions chart. Hopefully Judy can find that. I don't know if you can see this very well. This is a chart, um, you know, and it shows it's for preschoolers normally. Um, I know Brendan had this in his preschool, and we had that at our house for a while. Because, you know, little kids, like, if they can't verbalize what's going on, they can at least, you know, point. Like, I feel happy. I feel sad. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. Um, I'm sleepy. And so um, I think... A lot of times people start to just kind of, you know, it's a me world, so the world revolves around me and how I feel, and I can't help how I feel. And so I wanted to bring these balloons, 
it really reminds me a lot of of emotions and happiness. What do you, anybody in here, what would you say you kind of feel when you look at balloons? Do they make you feel so sad? No. no? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people will feel happy or even excited. Like if it's your birthday and you see balloons, you're like, hey, I might get a party. That's pretty great. Um, I do have like a red one and a green one. And a lot of people, you know, they start to think of Christmas and they get excited and they start to feel really happy. Um, but I think there's a difference between happiness and joy. Obviously, we want to feel happy. Um, but these balloons, if you look at the outside, and they were created beautifully, you know, as we were all created beautifully by God. But um, something is filling them to give them that lift. Something is helping them to make life a little more exciting. And, um, and I think maybe the helium in it is, you know, like you're throwing God in there and you're, you're putting joy in the right order. And that's giving it a lift. It's making it look so much better. In a week or two, these balloons, if they don't continue to get filled with helium, they're going to look pretty pathetic. And um, as witnesses, as people going out trying to be messengers for the Lord, I think sometimes, you know, I leave, I leave church camp. Chris is just talking about, and I feel like this. I'm like, yes! Oh, you won't believe what we learned. And I, I have a new story. I didn't even realize it's in the Bible. And I just get so excited. And, you know, and that's fun to be around. But if you're just, you know, get back to, oh, I got to go to work. I got to get up and help this person. It isn't a great witness. So you want to try and prioritize and try and choose joy. Because if we let our emotions choose, if we let them get out of control, we're kind of, you know, worthless. Or maybe even worse off than being a good witness. People might be like, I want to go to her church. She is, you know, a complainer. Um, I was thinking of a time when I had a lot of emotions going on, and I was an adult. So this story, just remember, I was an adult, and I'm not very proud of this, but um, I was, it was in the early 90s, and in, in this vicinity, there was a Kmart, there wasn't a Walmart, there wasn't, um, there wasn't a Meyer. it was Kmart, it was pretty much all we had, and um, in maybe 1991, Inglewood, which I live pretty close to Inglewood, was going to get a Meyer, and it was like, Oh, this is great. Does anybody in here enjoy shopping? I know it's not for everybody, but I kind of, even if I'm not buying anything, I kind of like to go and look, and especially if there's a new store. Um, I was super excited. So, you know, if you're looking on the feelings chart, I was super excited, and my mom and I, we were going to go together. Um, she, my mom is in a wheelchair, for those of you that don't know, and so um, she's paralyzed from the waist down, super good attitude, always positive. Always a great, um, great example for me. And um, she would get in the car, pull her wheelchair behind her. It's kind of a long process, but she's very independent. And, um, and then when you get to wherever you're going, you know, it's like find a parking spot, pull the wheelchair out, transfer, pull her legs into her wheelchair. It's kind of a long process, but um, I've never heard her complain about it. And so we're heading to Meyer, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited that I'm going to get to see a new store. And, um, and we're heading there, and we get there, and we're looking for a handicapped parking spot. And um, 
it seems like they're always few and far between, you know. And so the alternative is you have to go park way out far because you have to take up two parking places because to open the door wide enough for her to get a wheelchair in and out, you know, you have to have a lot of room. So as we're circling, it starts raining. And so it's raining and it's pouring and we're still circling the parking lot. And now we're really looking hard for like a close parking spot because we don't have an umbrella. And so... Um, Finally, by the grace of God, this person is pulling out of a handicapped spot. And we're like, oh, yes. And so my mom puts on her blinker, and we're sitting there. And this person pulls out. And all of a sudden, this woman comes and flies and parks in the parking spot. She jumps out of her car, and she runs into Meyer. I didn't even say a word to my mom. I opened the door, and I ran in after her. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got inside and I go, excuse me, are you handicapped? And she goes, no, I just had to run in real quick for dog food. And I go, oh, so you're handicapped in the brain. <laughs> That's what I said to her. As you can see, my emotions just went from happy to not so happy to really not so happy. <laughs> so I proceeded to tell her why she shouldn't be parking in handicap. And she said, it's pouring down rain. And I go, I know. And so then I went and found a police officer. <laughs> and so as I look back on that, I don't even remember that we did go in and we did shop. I don't even remember the rest of the day because I was so, so upset. And it was like my emotions got the best of me for sure. There's no way I could ever now go witness to this woman or the police officer or anybody in the vicinity because I was like a crazy person and I was an adult. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's super important that we choose joy as much as we possibly can because holy smokes, that's not, not, not good. Um, so anyway. Moving on from the emotions. We all have emotions. We need to get them under control. We need to not let other people control our emotions. I was letting this crazy lady control my emotions, which is pathetic. And my mom is so patient. She's just waiting in the car. We didn't have cell phones back then. She's like, where is my daughter? So... I was going to ask what your mother's attitude was to the whole thing. She's so patient. She's so used to it. You know, people all the time barking and hanging Anyway. Bless her heart. I, so over time, I've become a little bit more like her. Um, so I wanted to talk. Dan has been talking about the book of Acts. And so I was thinking of Paul. When you think of people that have had kind of a rough life and continue to talk about joy and um, show joy, um, he's one of the big ones. And so um, he... He was, I think Dan talked about it maybe last week, um, thrown in jail. Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. They had been wrongly accused. They had been beaten. They were a bloody mess. They were thrown in prison. Um, no trial, just thrown in prison. And as they're in there, and they're actually, like, they're in the middle of the prison. And I read before, I don't know how accurate this is, but... But that's where like all of the sewage would run to was the middle of the of the prison. And so, you know, they're shackled there, they're they're locked in. And they're praying and they're praising God. They're pray, they're they're singing hymns, it says. And 
they're witnessing to all of the other prisoners there most definitely, but man, I mean, clearly they were probably in pain, you know, emotionally and physically, and they are, they're, they're showing joy, and I just love that. Um, around midnight, and I think Dan went through this story last week or the week before, um, God intervened, there's an earthquake, and their shackles fall off, and the doors fling open, and the, the guard that is there is ready to kill himself. And Paul yells out, don't, don't hurt yourself, we're all still here. And I think, you know, that guard was probably thinking, my goodness, I want what they have. You know, if, it, if they're in this circumstance, and they're presenting themselves this way, like, I, I, really, I need what they have. And he actually said, what must I do to be saved? And then, um, I'm sure Dan covered this, I can't even remember. I listened to all of them online, but... You know, the jailer took him home and cleaned them up and listened to the gospel, listened to the good news, and then um, they were all baptized, him and his, his family, and saved. And, and so um, I just think what a crazy great example of choosing joy. They could totally have chosen to be complaining. You know, I think, um, I mean, I think the people in prison just being, I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. They really were not guilty. And yet they were singing hymns and, and praising the Lord. Um, Paul also was one that established the first Christian church in Europe. And it wasn't on his radar. God had kind of stopped him from where he was going, and um, God gave him a vision. Somebody was saying, pleading, begging, come help us, come over here and help us. There wasn't even a synagogue there to go find. So, um, But they went, and he met Lydia there, and and was able to um, meet all these people that ended up becoming such a source of joy for him. He ends up, um, and this is, the, this is the church of Philippi. So when we hear about Philippians, it's that church that we're talking about. And um, after going there, starting the church, meeting the people, preaching God's word, he is ten years later. Ten years, he's looking back on them, and he has so much joy about this church. And at this point, he had been um, shipwrecked. He had been blinded. He had been, um, goodness, bitten by a viper. He'd been in prison. He'd been on home arrest. He'd been carted off to Rome. I'm trying to think of all the crazy things that poor Paul went through. But um, even like his fellow, his fellow Jews were charging him with things that were just, weren't true and were unheard of. But um, after all the beatings and the lashings and almost dying multiple times, he was still, still full of joy for them. And he wrote this book, Philippians, to this church, and it's known as the Book of Joy. So he's, and he's a prisoner in Rome as he's writing this. And I just think, what a super example for all of us. And he says um, in Philippians 1, 3 to 6, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. It's been 10 years since he's seen these people. And just, you know, for him to hold on to that and to continually pray for them when he clearly was needing prayer himself. He said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, my goodness, just to just to think about all that 
all that he had been through and all that he could see for the future of the church or what he wanted to relay. I mean, the Philippian church obviously got to have the, um, the honor and the joy of reading his letter, but I think for us, it's a quick read. It's four, I mean, there's four chapters in it, just to give us some encouragement and, um, and some joy and how somebody that really, he had the potential of death row hanging over his head. I mean, I think he was, he actually was executed between, between a week and two years after he wrote this. So, anyhow. So, and he, he shows us the J-O-I, the Jesus, others, and you. I'll read real quick what he wrote here in Philippians 2, 1 through 6. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, so he's got Jesus as one. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Have the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So he's valuing others above himself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So he goes on. And he is really showing the mindset of joy in God and not in circumstances. I think a lot of us easily get caught up when you have a circumstance and you don't feel happy. You go back to the feelings and you're like, why me? Why is this happening? I don't want to feel this way. But just showing us that. So an, an action step, and I know Dan was you know, wielding this, his, his sword last week and talking about the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, using that as a weapon. Um, I think that's so important. Paul said, take every thought captive. And sometimes, if we're not mindful, if we're not making a choice, things just fall into our head. I mean, I, I think, you know, you look at billboards, and you look at the TV, and you have all this negative. If you're not choosing, if you're not choosing what you're listening to, and what you're watching, and what you're seeing, very quickly, your, your mind is just going to get full of not good stuff. Bad, bad, bad. Even things that, um, you know, people will just ruminate on that has happened in the past. I mean, it's just just not good to allow yourself to have, you know, random thoughts. So take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. And I think um, I, I talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Have you ever just, like, have this, you know, like, oh, why did I do that? Oh, you know, that's listening to myself. If I were just to, like, randomly, you know, why did I... You know, why did I not spend more time on this? Why did I not go help this person? Instead of having, you know, this ongoing nonsense in my head, I talk to myself. I will recite scripture. I will recite verses. Um, you know, one of the things, if I get really, really upset or angry, um, instead of being able to talk things out, a lot of times I will cry. And then I get more angry because I can't, like, get my point across. And so um, I... Try to always quote scripture. I used to, um, a lot of times, um, when like Brendan was in school, he'd have an IEP, you know, and I would get so frustrated with the teachers, and I, poor Greg, he had to be there because he's like the calm in the storm, and my emotions would just get the best of me. And so I, I would sit there and not talk and just quote scripture a lot of times. Um, I think a really good one is one that Paul gave us. 
in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Who doesn't need peace? My goodness. Um, so choosing joy. I think if you continue to choose joy, your emotions will start to catch up with that. When I was in high school, um, I had a good friend. We, I was a cheerleader. We were cheering, and we were on a bus ride home from an away game. And she asked me, um, she asked me why my parents weren't at the game, because they were always supporting me, which was wonderful. And I said, well, you know, a lot of gyms aren't handicap accessible, so, you know, they go when they can go, for sure. And so she said, well, can I ask, like, what happened to your mom? Why is she in a wheelchair? So I proceeded to tell her. Um, I was four, she was 25, she was driving me to the doctor, I had a high fever, and um, on our own road, just a mile from our house, and slid off, slid off the icy road in November, going about 25 miles an hour, and um, we had a big diesel fuel tank on the back, and it smashed the cab. We were drenched in diesel, um, but she broke her back and severed her spinal cord. And so I'm um, super grateful she's alive. They coded her in the ambulance. It was just a long time for her recovery, but, um, but that, that is how, how it played out. So my friend said to me, oh my gosh, you must feel so guilty. And I thought, well, I did it before, but I do now. I mean, literally, I just was like, oh gosh. And I let that thought get into my brain, and it started ruminating, and I was, I was in a spiral. It, wasn't, it was not healthy. And I just felt like my mom is in a wheelchair because of me. And every time she struggled with something, you know, just to get something off the floor or something, so I would just, I was beating myself up emotionally, just, that's my fault. Yep, that's my fault. And it was, it was, I mean, I told Greg, I think I was a junior in high school, he's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and then I eventually even told my mom, because my mom said, why are you in such a crabby mood all the time? And, and I did tell her, and she was like, oh, Nikki, give me a break. You know, she just, that's nonsense. But I, it was like I was really struggling with that. And so I was, um, I started thinking, and, you know, all along I was attending church, and I was, um, you know, I feel like I was putting God first, but I all of a sudden just had this thought, because when we, when we cheered, we would go out, and we'd practice, and we'd do stunts, and, you know, and you're super serious, and then we would go on to like the basketball court or the football field and it was like game chase on, right? And all the cheerleaders are like, yeah, go team, whoa, and we're all happy and cheering. I I was literally telling myself for like a whole year, game face on. Like I would get up in the morning and I'd be like, game face on, I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice, I'm gonna be happy. And um, and I went to school like that and I was like for a while I was just telling myself game face, <laughs> game face. And after a while I mean, it, it dawned on me that so that would have been my junior year, my senior year. I was like, I don't think I don't think this is fake anymore. I think I actually feel better, and I hardly ever was having thoughts, you know, that oh, this is all my fault. 
Um, and I'm so grateful, but it was like, fake it till you make it. I mean, literally is what I did, and I feel like my emotions caught up with how I was presenting myself. Um, anybody in here ever hear of laughter being good medicine? Not just like, you know, any little saying of the Bible, but like in general. Um, so working as a nurse, when I, when I began, um, I was working on an oncology floor. So I took care of um, med surge patients, but also like a whole oncology wing. And because it had been scientifically proven that laughter creates so many health benefits, especially for people that are going through, you know, a chronic illness or, um, you know, even end-of-state, end-of-life stages, um, that laughter was helpful. We had a big TV that we would wheel into people's rooms, and we had all these comedies on VHS, and we would have them, you know, do you want to pick a comedy? And um, just to give them some laughter, um, some of the benefits, I'll just tell you, this is like scientifically proven, it boosts your mood, it diminishes pain, um, triggers a release of endorphins, which are like your happy hormones, improves function of blood vessels, and lowers your stress hormones. So those are all, you know, super positive, super good reason to try and brighten your day. But if you really want to feel happy, I will introduce you to another scientific study, and it is the science of smiling. Did you know smiling has so, so, so many benefits? Um, it stimulates our brains, and we can actually, and there's been so many studies, and I, I spent the last week kind of looking up a lot of them because I learned about some of them in nursing school, but um, I mean, this goes back to the 1800s. They were even studying smiles, which I think is so funny. But your brain actually feels the reinforcement when you see, a, when you are personally smiling, first off, um, as if you have exercised or received cash or eaten chocolate. <laughs> so it gives you that feeling of, of joy, actually. Um, so it also produces endorphins, which are those happy hormones, and um, it, all, it actually will alter your brain's pathways to make you feel better, to make you feel happy. It decreases anxiety. Anyone? Anyone need that? It, it decreases blood pressure. It decreases heart rate. Um, all kinds. All kinds of, of benefits. Um, as a, a quick side note, this really does have something to do with joy. If, if I were to give you a pencil, okay, so matter of fact, Carter and Kai, can I use you just a moment? So I'm going to hand you each a pencil. This was a scientific study that was done, so go ahead and turn around. So, if you were to practice with a pencil as a handicapped person, somebody that can't use your hands, and you were going to try and write with a pencil, how would you hold it in your mouth? Do you, what, what do you think you would do? If you were going to try and like write on paper. Yeah, that's good, like this way, same way? Okay, nice. Thank you. You think those, actually. Okay, so this was such a fun study, and this was done, I think, in 1988. They gave all of these people pencils, and they said, okay, we're, gonna, we're working on something for the handicapped community, and, and we just want to see how it's going to be the best way, you know, to, to, like, write with a utensil or draw art, words, whatever. 
you want to hold it, you know, like this, like you're going to move your mouth? Or do you want to hold it like this? Right? And so, all of these people that held it, like, in their mouth like this, they actually, their mouth was making kind of the pouting look, like, you know? And then all the people that were like this, yeah. right? This is actually the same muscles that you use when you're smiling. So this is a fake smile. Right? <laughs> all of the people that had their pencils like this, they checked all of these different things, and it was the same as if they were actually smiling. Isn't that crazy? The same, the same hormones were released. Just from, I mean, it's a God thing. I think it's so cool. That, that you can kind of fake it till you make it with your smile. You can actually walk around like, yeah, good times. Yeah, <laughs> or if you're just sitting at home, maybe just chew on a pencil, I don't know. But I think it's fun to think about, you know, that's something that can bring yourself joy, but smiles are contagious. I mean, smile for somebody else too, so you can help, help a friend out. <laughs> um, Looking back at different people in the Bible, I wanted to jump back to Nehemiah. So, Old Testament Nehemiah. This is when the, um, the Jews had been, God's chosen people had been in ca captivity for 70 years. And they've finally been released. They're allowed to go back to Jerusalem if they want to. There was a lot of people, um, a lot of exiles that were trying to head back to their you know, Jewish homeland. And, um, and Nehemiah was one that decided to stay. He had, a, he had an important job. He was working for King Artaxerxes, who was a Persian king, and he was his cupbearer. So the cupbearer is somebody that is going to test whatever the king is going to drink before he drinks it to make sure there's no poison, right? And so if you go back to our original, you want to see somebody with a joyful heart and light in their eyes. You want to have a cup here that's like pretty happy. Like, yeah, I tested it. You're good. If you see somebody come in and go, oh, have a drink. You're probably going to be like, um, I don't know about that. <laughs> Not sure. So as he was um, doing his job and serving the king, Nehemiah got word that um, when all these exiles went back, Jerusalem, which is God's holy city, was a mess. It was in ruins. So, um, you know, the temple's a mess. The, the walls are just rubble around it. The gates had been burned. It, it, was, it wasn't safe. They couldn't go there and feel like they were going to be safe or protected. And they had a lot of people around them that do not care for Jews, which I'm afraid we're having a lot of today, which is so sad. Um, but Nehemiah finds this out, and these are his people. And... He doesn't complain, and he doesn't, you know, cry. He actually prays and he fasts. And he was praying that he would get um, favor with the king because he wanted to go, he felt like God was calling him to go and help rebuild the wall. And so um, he went into the king with his cup. Actually, he handed the king his cup, and the king looked at him and said, Why does your face look sad? And you're not sick. And I think I would say the same thing because he's handing me possibly poison. Right? He had to really trust Nehemiah. And Nehemiah explained, like, my, you know, my ancestors, our homeland, God's holy city is a mess. And he said, it's horrible. It, it's a mess. And so the king said, well, um, what do you want to do? 
And so Nehemiah prayed. I mean, in a conversation, I think that's so important. He stopped and he prayed. And he said, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let me go. Let, let me go there and help. Let me help rebuild this. And so um, the king did show him favor. And the king actually gave him provisions and gave him resources, gave him an escort, gave him documents that helped him. And, um, you know, this is not, this isn't the king for God's people. This is a foreign king. And so what a blessing he was able to do that. But so Nehemiah goes and he has some opposition. So it's not going to be super easy to just feel really joyful. Like, yeah, we're going back to Jerusalem. It's going to be awesome. I mean, he's like got people yelling insults at him. And the place is a mess. Like, where do you even start if you just see all this rubble? You know, and they didn't have backhoes. They didn't have all the things that we have now. And I would still think, where do you start? This is a mess. He took, you know, kind of surveyed the area and um, got everybody united together. And they started building. And, and they had people yelling insults, trying to trick Nehemiah to come out and because they wanted to kill him. And he continued to help, continued to help, and really miraculously got this huge wall of protection around Jerusalem done in 52 days, which was, which was absolutely a miracle, which also scared all of the people around him because they're like, oh, they've got God on their side again. But after the wall was rebuilt, now it's time to rebuild the Jews that are there that haven't heard God's word in a long time, or maybe never. I mean, it's been a, a long 70 years. And so, Ezra was the priest at the time, and he stood up in front of all of them, and he started reading God's word. Well, they, you know, they hadn't heard a lot of it. They probably didn't know a lot of it, and they were feeling convicted. I mean, you know, they're probably like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I guess I shouldn't have done that. You know, and you start to feel really bad, like, oh, oh, no, no. And so, they were saying, amen, amen, truth, truth, and they were on the ground, praising the Lord. But they were weeping. They were crying. And Nehemiah said to them, um, he said, quit crying. Do not cry. Today is sacred. And he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I think that um, when we think about that, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, do not let other people take your joy because they're going to take your strength. I mean, your strength of your, um, your bravery, you know, in the church, your spiritual strength, your, um, your emotional strength. I mean, really even your physical strength. If you just, if you let somebody steal your joy, how do you feel? Just, ugh, right? And so I love, love, love that verse in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, Nehemiah, um, he's such a great example of, of what's to come. So, Nehemiah was a man of God, and he went to a bunch of chaos and a mess, which was Jerusalem area, and, um, and he went there really to rescue the people and to create a new creation when he created the wall there with them. Um, and then about 444 years later, God sent another man who came to the earth and um, 
saw the chaos and lived among the chaos for about 33 years. And, um, and he came to rescue us. All of us, not just the Jewish nation, but all of us. Anybody that will accept him as their savior. And then we can become a new creation. And Jesus says in John 15.10, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you might have joy, maybe in you, and that your joy may be complete. So, as we begin to welcome in the joy-filled Christmas season, we've got a reason to celebrate great joy, just like Nehemiah and all the Jews. They celebrated with great joy, it said, after they realized that the joy of the Lord was their strength. But we have great reason to celebrate. Um, Luke 2.10 tells us, The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all of us. What a blessing that is. So, hopefully we can go forward from today choosing joy, trying to overcome our rascally little feelings that jump up, um, but just choose joy. And I think a great way to implement that is just keeping our priorities straight. Jesus and others and you. So, if you'll bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for... Troy View Church, I thank you that um, we can be a mission field. We can go out and, um, and just show others joy. Lord, I thank you that our pastor uh, shows us the way and that he shows joy in so many ways. And um, we're just so grateful for that. Please watch over um, him and his family. Please watch over all of us. Guide and direct us in all things. Um, we thank you, especially for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you stand with us?
thank you for this day. We thank you for the joy that we have in your son. And we thank you for uh, the, the wonderful blessing opportunity for us to have that joy because you sacrificed him so that we could all be together once again in your kingdom. Um, we ask that you be with us as we go our separate ways this week. Put a smile on our faces to reflect the joy of your son. And we ask all these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.